the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So thank you again for joining me today, and make sure that you tell your friends about the show. I appreciate that, and appreciate all of you that are taking advantage of the podcasts and sending them to your friends. So happy Sunday to you. And today, I really, I had this idea about, you know, how we've talked so much about be your own best version. And I thought, you know, what would it be like if you had a change agent in your life? Now, many of you that work in corporations, you know what a change agent is. And they come in and they work whatever magic they're trying to work. But I thought, you know, how can you be your own change agent? So think about this. In order to be the best version, right? Your own best version. It means really being the best version of yourself, not someone else's version, not who you think you should be or ought to be or what society is framing you to be or family or your friends. It's, it's also not the most current fad or, or mimicking some entertainer or actor that, that you're following. But to be truly you, at whatever juncture of, the, of, of your life you are, you are in. See, no one can do you as well as you can. No one can do you as poorly as you can. And so your successes and mistakes are unique to you. And similarly, possibly, right? But they still are unique to you, even if they are similar to other people. And so it's really important that we look at this idea of how do we become our own change agent? 
Now, many times therapists are that. They help to to help people make changes they need to make. They may, you know, orchestrate them. They they may come up with them. They may need to they may say to you, "Hey, if you don't change this, every goal that you have is not going to happen." So, the question though becomes, you're with yourself all the time. So, how can you be the best change agent for you? The one that helps you navigate Stay true to your values and style, all the while as you're traveling through your life. So think about that. Are you willing to show up and be a change agent for yourself? Are you willing to hang in there and encourage yourself to make those changes that you know need to be made, that you know you will benefit from? Are you willing to do that for you? So what is a change agent? Well, let's think about this. This is a person who assists you in identifying what you think needs to change or what you would like to change. So this person also helps to clarify what is motivating the change and if it's possible, if it's even possible emotionally, physically, financially, and if it's going to be healthy for you. So this person helps accomplish all of these changes through the evaluation and identification of the actions that are required for the change, the risks that may be involved financially, socially, emotionally, what sacrifices may be involved and what sacrifices may need to be made long-term, right? So a good change agent is able to identify what can and cannot be changed and is being able to accept and work around or modify what may be possible and address whether or not the possible outcome will be close enough to the original motive. So let's say an individual wants to lose weight. Well, a really good change agent, someone that was very well-versed in helping people to lose weight, first and foremost identifies what body type you are. So if your body type is not that of Twiggy, then they're going to say to you, you need to have appropriate expectations. We want to have your body be the best version of your body, not trying to look like someone that you might aspire to, but there's no way that in any healthy manner could you become that version. And so they're honest with you about how much you want to change and how, how possible the change would be. And so they also help you be able to accept and work around or modify what may be possible and address whether or not the possible outcomes are going to be close enough to the original idea you had. So if you have someone that comes to a person that's helping you change and, and they say, you know, I'm 120 pounds overweight and I'm five foot two and I want to weigh 90 pounds. Well, if they're a really good change agent, they're going to say, let's, let's first start with your health. Because if I don't help you to embrace a healthy lifestyle, whatever changes you make are not going to be permanent. So there's a lot that goes in to the idea of changing. 
So let's think about this. We have to identify what must change or adapt, how strong the resistance may be. So in other words, am I willing to do what the change requires in order for it to be accomplished, or do I have to modify the goal and the change maybe to match my time, the amount of time I have to put into it, my energy, my finances? And, and what kind of effort has to happen to still have a positive outcome? So there's a lot that goes into this. And I'm not trying to overcomplicate it for you. I just want you to actually have the success that you're needing and that you're desiring. So a good change agent knows when to enlist the help of an expert, such as a dietitian, if we're talking about the person that wants to lose weight, a life coach, maybe a doctor. Maybe you have emotional eating, so you need to see a therapist. Maybe you need to also see a trainer to get your body beginning to burn calories better. So what if you wanted to learn a new language? Well, we'd want to make sure that you had the right motives for learning whatever language you were going to learn and that you also most likely would need a teacher. You also might need a group that's learning how to speak that language so you can practice with them. So these are things I want you to think about. A successful change agent is someone who promotes, encourages, enables, paces you, and helps you to welcome the changes. This person also is able to strengthen all the necessary supports that you have put into place in order to sustain the change. I don't know about you, But there have been things that I have worked really hard to change, and I had no idea how hard it was going to be to sustain. So once I had the change, I might need to make a whole bunch of other changes in order for there to be sustainability. And that's that's what's really important when you go in to thinking about wanting to make a change. Now, I I don't want you to overanalyze this to the point that you don't make the change. I really want you to think about, are you on your own side? Are you helping you? Or are you your own worst enemy? That whatever changes you're trying to make, you're criticizing yourself in the process. You're shaming yourself. You're having expectations that are absolutely impossible to meet. Or maybe you're not knowing how to pace yourself. And so before you ever even get out the gate, you're tired. How about the way you think or the way you talk to yourself? What about the way that you were raised? See, many times, clients that I have in my office, when we start talking about the way they were raised, what their family system was like, they start to recognize that, you know, I've learned how to think a certain way, and I do it automatically now. I may need to challenge that thought. So I frequently am telling my my clients, you might need to challenge that thought. So this is important as we think about how to sustain these changes. And do we really know what, what kind of a process we're taking on? Are we willing to go the length 
the width, the breadth, the depth that that change may, may require from us. So it's important that you get the help, the support that, is, that you need in order to make these changes possible. And that you go in with a plan. Because I don't want you to be weary in well-doing. God knows that the enemy of our soul loves to cause us to be weary when we're trying to do really good things. So we need to be able to identify roadblocks. We need to be able to identify pacing. We need to identify our financial resources, the time that we have, how realistic we are about the change. And then we're going to really talk about our motive for changing. Because many times... The motive that we have for changing is maybe dysfunctional, is maybe shame-based, is maybe because we're not willing to accept who God has created us to be. And we're at odds with God about who he made. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about how to be your own change agent and what may be getting in the way of you being able to make that change. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, we are talking about change. And truly, what is it like to be your own change agent? How can you be the best version of you? And how would you even know what that best version is? So one of the things we talked about in that last segment is what is a good change agent? What do they actually do? And one of the things that I have found when it comes to people wanting to make a significant change has a lot to do with pacing and appropriate expectations. So I want you to think about this idea of, of words. And we've talked so much about how words can change your brain and that words change your life. So you change your thoughts, you change your words, you change your life. And so you may recall a time when you were feeling, I don't know, perfectly fine. And, and a colleague, you know, at work maybe says to you, hey, are you, are you feeling okay? You look tired. You know, what, what's up? Suddenly, you see this image of yourself. You're like, oh, my gosh, I have bags under my eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm like, not having great memory today. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting things. And you remember that you went to bed late last night, and although you didn't necessarily feel tired until this moment, now it makes sense. Wow, I should be tired. So what you find is that those thoughts change into their material equivalent. So your shoulders droop, you feel exhausted, you want to sit down, you keep looking at the clock because you can't wait until you get home. So the words that you say to yourself and to others, as well as the ones you hear, generate thoughts. And these are quickly transformed into behaviors and emotional states. So I want to talk about a couple of different ways that you can use words to help generate positive outcomes. Because when you're being your own best change agent, one of the things you do is you come alongside yourself as a friend, as a coach, as a support, 
as you are supporting and helping and encouraging you to make those changes. So the words that you say to yourself and to others, as well as those that you hear, it does generate these thoughts, and it transforms into a mood, into a tone, into an emotional state. So the first thing when I'm working with people about changing your thoughts so that they are, are, are realistic, they're positive, they're not like a lie or something, but they're really thoughts that are going to support the direction you're trying to move in. So if you don't feel well or you're tired, right, let's keep talking about this particular person that's feeling really tired. So don't tell anyone that. Don't say to somebody, oh, I'm so tired. What you can say that helps to rephrase that and rephrase the malady, right, rephrase the condition, is you can say to somebody, you know, I could use some more energy. Or I know that once I'm really reaching being a fit and healthy person, I know I'm going to be fine. See, every time you say something like, I'm feeling depressed, you simply add to the burden. Now, I know it's unintentional, but the more you repeat your complaints, the worse you feel. So many times I say to people, you know, your words are like water. Would you drink them? Your words are like food. Would you eat them? Your words are like air. How deeply would you inhale your words? Because they are intended to give life. And we know that God spoke the world into existence. And he said, let there be light. Let there be day. Let there be night. He spoke all these things into existence. So it doesn't mean that it's magic or something. It's more about the hardwiring of his creation. So when I speak things out loud, I have to be careful that I don't forget that my brain takes that as just like in, the, in my car, the GPS takes it as an address. So if I say, oh, I'm so fat, then my brain hears that as I need to make that true. So your brain starts to collect all kinds of ways of thinking. It starts to compare and contrast you to other people just to prove to you how fat you maybe really are. And you probably aren't. And so it's important that you're careful, that you may say to, to someone, instead of, oh, I'm feeling so fat, I'm so fat, I can't stand it, you say something like, you know, I'm really considering changing some of the, my eating habits. I think I'd feel a lot better if I did. So it's still addressing a change, but it's doing it in a way that your brain goes, oh, I'll take care of that. I'll start to create a plan for that. So re you rephrase the complaint. The other thing that you can do, because I know that complaining sometimes just feels really good. I say to clients, I say to myself, I say, you know, just give me two minutes. I'm going to complain for two minutes and then I'm going to stop. So I give myself the option of complaining. And at the end of that complaint, I make it positive And I say, oh, gosh, thanks so much for listening to that. I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better. Thank you. That helps me in my spirit, in my soul, in my mind to get to commiserate a little bit without necessarily believing everything I'm thinking. 
So when you use words that are, that are negatives, like I can't, I won't, I shouldn't, I'm helpless, I'm a loser, any of these types of things, I want you to rephrase those. I want you to avoid those words. So I want you to say something like, hopefully, or maybe, or one day, or I like to, or I'm not sure that I'm able to, but I'll find out. I'll see if there's a way. So it's not being a Pollyanna, okay? It's simply supporting your own internal world so that you have the necessary energy to make the changes you feel you need to make. So you make sure that your statements are a positive and not ridiculous, not Pollyanna, but that you can say something like, you know, wow, I'm feeling a little bit low in energy today. And I know that's because I worked out a lot last night. I'm glad I worked out, but I am feeling a little bit tired. But I'm glad I'm here today at work. It's energizing to me. And I know it sounds kind of odd, but once you learn how to speak this way, you're going to be amazed at the amount of energy that you have and resiliency. Because this is what's really important for us down here on this planet, is to have a good bounce back, to have resiliency. That I can get jostled about, pushed, pulled, you know, run into, whatever that is, emotionally, physically. But I need to be able to bounce back. I need to have the energy to get up again and move forward. So while we're doing this, I want you to remove negative words, especially words like hate. I hate it when that happens. I would rather you say something like, you know, I prefer it when such and such. So this is not easy to do and you're going to forget. But if you attempt to make these small changes, you'll see a big improvement in the outcome. And you will see a much different energetic state for you that helps you take on those endeavors that are so good for you to do. So stay tuned. We're going to come back in the next segment with more about your own change agent. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thanks for joining me today. And we are talking about be your own change agent. As you are working on being the best version of you, these are ways that we can really come in and reorganize ourselves, redirect ourselves, reframe things, and really take advantage of who God has called us to be and who he believes we can and need to be. And so we left off in this last segment. We talked about avoiding words that are negative like cannot because this automatically signals your brain to find all the reasons why you can't. So if you say, you know, I just can't lose weight, then everything from that moment on, your brain is going to find ways to prove that statement. So instead, we want to use higher energy statements like, well, when I can or hopefully, or I'm believing, I'm counting on. Because when you, words, when you use those words, what you're really saying is that I'm believing God's best for me. So remove words 
from your vocabulary like hate. Now, I understand that some, I'm a very dramatic person in my vocabulary, so sometimes, you know, I, I, I need to use the word hate. But I have to really know what I'm using it about. If I say, oh, I hate this traffic, what's going to happen is I'm going to become a more impatient driver, and I'm going to be more critical of the drivers around me. If I say something like, I hate abuse, see, that's still a positive, even though it's negative. It's me galvanizing myself, energizing myself and others to resist self-abuse and the abuse of other people, animals, whoever, whatever, that I can hate abuse. Absolutely. So that's different than saying, oh, I hate it when that happens, or I just hate that person, or I, I just hate this traffic, I hate this car. Whatever it is, what you're doing is you're now ushering in tons of negativity, which is going to steal energy from you and cause you to be more exhausted and make it very difficult to make a positive change. So I want you to begin each communication on an up note. Now, again, some of this you're going to have to practice so it doesn't sound silly. But this is especially important when we're using electronic media. It's imperative that the last message you type is a positive word, that it's leading to positive thoughts. Things like best, or cheers, or hey, keep smiling, or blessings to you. Because you wrote it, you will also will get the benefit of that, that last part of the message. The recipient gets it, and they get this image of a smiling friend, and it receives and gives a lift to that person. And so I don't want you to be corny and Pollyanna, right? That, that doesn't help. But you can really be positive. You can be helpful. You can be supportive, even if you don't feel it. Because what we have found when we are, you know, really studying the, the human body and mind, you would be amazed at what happens in your brain when you just flex a smiling a smiling look on your face. Those muscles, flexing those muscles that cause you to smile, automatically release positive endorphins all the way, all out through your brain. So it's important that just attempting a smile gives you some energy. Taking a deep breath. Focusing on something that's working. So begin and end your day with a positive thought. So before you go to sleep at night, I want you to really thank God, thank yourself, thank friends for whatever it is that has worked that day. And when you wake up, I want you to say to yourself, wow, God, you did give me another day. That means you're in my day. That means you want me to be in this day as well. So thank you, God, for opening this day for me. So when out of earshot, one of the things that helps is talk out loud to yourself. I know this sounds silly, but it really works. Because it helps you to hear what you're saying, and it reinforces what you're thinking. So when we use words to generate positive thoughts and emotions, this is something that has no monetary investment. It doesn't cost you anything. So from this moment, I want, before you speak, take a little breath. Smile pause. And that can help map out for you 
healthier, more positive thoughts, healthier statements. It helps your body. It helps your immune system. And so this, this is one of these things that is free to us, that God has just put into the design of humans. So I want you to take advantage of the way you think and the words you use and the posture of your body and your willingness to breathe. So we have one more segment, and we're going to talk about why people might not want to get better. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And if you are just tuning in, make sure that you visit the website. You can listen to the show on uh, right from your computer off the website. You can also go to your favorite podcast server. I appreciate all the comments that you give me. And if you ever have an idea, please feel free to put it on Facebook. You can text it to me. Whatever you can do, because I love to make these shows really applicable to you and your life. And so we're talking about being your own change agent and how you can help you be the best version of you. So we talked a lot in the last two segments about positivity, about the power of words, really what you can do with your own body, making sure that, that you are, are really set up for success when it comes to making a change. That means having the necessary helps. That means researching enough, knowing what impediments there may be, what you may do to resist a positive change. Because interestingly enough, we humans have a tendency to do that. So why, why don't we want to change? What, what would stop us from making that positive change? Why would we rather suffer? See, people aren't motivated to change their suffering for, for many reasons. And there's a book, and it's, it's called um, Be Here Now, and it's by Ram Dass. And he really talks about there are these things that may be in plain view, but somehow we're not seeing them. And so why would people continue to suffer? So studies have shown that there are many behavioral strategies that lead to, you know, more enjoyment in life and more peace and happiness and well-being. Exercise does this because it releases chemicals in the brain that contribute to confidence, the sense of well-being, and sometimes even euphoria. And so if people know that, then why do they remain sedentary? So we know about meditation. It's been proven to be as effective many times as antidepressants for staving off the relapse of depression. It helps create calm and peace in life and combat stress. But why do we refuse to meditate? So how about this? Focusing on a positive life. I'm sure you've heard that before. And that's living a life in gratitude, journaling about positive events, sitting and enjoying positive feelings. This is indicated, has indicated that there's an increase of levels of happiness. Your immune system is stronger. Yet many who have enough food, who live relatively financially, a comfortable life, 
really have all their survival needs met. And maybe they're physically healthy and reasonably so, but they suffer psychologically. So why do so many continue to suffer when the answers are so apparent? So I like these two men, Tony Robbins and and Henry Cloud, and they are both credited with this quote. And it says that change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. So this is the issue of pain tolerance. And I can't tell you how many times a day I talk with clients about pain tolerance. And I say, you know, your pain tolerance is too high. We need to lower your pain tolerance. And this, this is one of these things that is very odd. Because usually people don't come to my office until it's really painful, really disastrous, really hurtful, maybe harmful, huge amounts of loss. And that's when they finally say, I guess I need to see a therapist. And, and it's interesting that the therapists, the life coaches, the pastors, you know, all these people that do this for individuals, we're always the last-ditch effort. Nobody starts with us. We're the last. We're when they've tried every single thing to not have to do what they need to do. They might come and see us. And I, trust me, I get it. I'm a human as well. So what we want to ask ourselves is, why am I practicing and exercising increasing my pain tolerance versus lowering my pain tolerance? So change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. So when we look at this theory, we recognize that people aren't doing what will lead to more happiness and peace because they're, they're not in pain enough. I mean, it's a, pos- it's, it's a plausible explanation. But there's also some other motivating factors. So the detraction of pain as a motivator to change is the possibility complaining about one's life is better than actually doing something to change it. So we get that temporary feeling of pain relief when we complain about our life. And so because we get that relief of pain temporarily, we forget how bad the pain is. And so we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. So when I talk to clients about pain tolerance... And I talk about these little pain relievers. And I say, you know, you may want to remove the pain relievers if you're having trouble changing. So a pain reliever could be, I don't know, eating chocolate every afternoon. And you look forward to it. So somehow your day feels better because you got that afternoon break. Maybe a a pain reliever might be sleeping. Maybe a pain reliever is binge-watching your favorite show. A pain reliever may be making excuses for why you're allowed to stay home. Maybe it's spending money that you know you shouldn't be spending, but you feel better in the moment. So this is where we want to think about what's going on in me that is either 
helping my pain tolerance to increase so that I could handle more pain? Or what are the little pain relievers I'm doing that caused me to manage the pain of my life better? It's kind of like when, when doctors give um, pain medication. See, we want to be careful about that. Because if we start medicating the pain, then the patient doesn't know how sick they are. So we want to be careful how much pain medication we're giving someone. Because that in and of itself becomes another problem. So many times... We, we have, you know, clients, we have students, friends that really believe that nothing can be done about their particular problem. And they think that every option is impossible because of their beliefs about the change. So I've had clients come and see me, and I've given them all kinds of ways to relieve what's going on in their life. And they inevitably tell me every reason why what I'm saying won't work. So rather than having to actually make the change... They simply sit with suffering, and then they feel powerless. So maybe there's some profit from the suffering. And this is called, in psychological terms, a secondary gain. So many people who have psychological distress or physical illness, they may get attention and support, more love, or other reinforcers that make the change less attractive. And one of the things that I have seen repeatedly with people is part of not wanting to make the change is because if they increase their ability to function, people will expect that from them from now on. And so they would rather undersell themselves than oversell. See, if I oversell or if I just really be honest about who I am, then you may have those expectations on me. And then I will end up failing, letting you down, and that will be too much pain. So if I just dumb it down, if I just say, well, I don't know, I'm not really great at that, I can maybe pull that off, let me get back to you, and then I do it, and I do it really well, then I might get afraid because someone might say, hey, but that's what you did last time, can you do that again? So part of this is this psychological phenomenon of saying, I don't know how to maybe say no, and I don't know how to manage people's expectations on me. And maybe that's because my expectations are either too high or too low. And so what about this? Change is threatening. See, oftentimes when people are seeking psychological help, some of the change, there's some deep fears that are in the way. And they may have to really handle what's going on in their inner world, in the world around them. And so there may be some defense mechanisms that inhibit their ability to change, despite the fact that they consciously do want to change. So when we think about this idea that change is threatening... You know, it's like the pain that I have is better than the pain that I may suffer from in the future if I change. So we're always trying to kind of mitigate the loss, mitigate the pain. So what's the pain we're willing, we're willing to tolerate so that we don't have to tolerate the pain over here? 
So we want to really be honest with ourselves. So there's another theory, and sometimes it's that people create a lot of meaning with their suffering. And it's actually perceived objectively. It's, it's more positive than negative. So, see, humans want a meaningful life. And so many times having a problem makes your life more meaningful, gives you something to talk about, gives you something to work for. And there are times when I have worked with clients that really are having a hard time getting that last step in that actually helps them accomplish why they came to see me. Because then they'll stop seeing me. And then they might get afraid that, oh, my gosh, if I stop, then I'm gonna, it's all going to come back. So there's all kinds of things that our minds, our soul is trying to do to protect us from pain. So Viktor Frankl, in his, his seminal book, Man's Search for Meaning, I know you've heard me refer to him before. He describes a man whose wife's death led to so much suffering for him, too much suffering. And Frankl asked the bereaved, what would have happened if he would have perished first? And the man discussed how much his wife would have suffered had the situation been reversed. As such, his suffering now had new meaning. And therefore, he developed a better psychological position. When he was able to turn it around, turn it upside down, that gentleman who was suffering so much from his wife's life that had died, he was able to say to himself, but I saved my wife from pain. She died first and didn't have to live without me. So it's imperative as we are working on this that we understand what motivates our pain. So how are we fighting the change agent? What obstacles are we putting in, in the way of that change? What's our fear? What's the payoff of staying in pain? What's the payoff for living without the pain? And so these things are, are very existential in, in nature, but I want you to think about it. I want you to say to yourself, why am I robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? Why am I feeling more comfortable in misery and loving to think about how bad it is and how good it could be, but I just can't get there? So this is Cynthia Hyatt, Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And really think about this idea to be your own change agent. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you in a week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please 
take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-